teaching on the theology of play. On this episode of Board Game Faith, the bi-weekly show exploring the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board games. Kevin, every week I look forward to like virtually uh, jamming with you to our theme song. I, I, I uh, it's, it's a highlight, brief, of the... but it's potent. It's brief. <laughs> it's brief, but potent. Full of possibilities. Brief possibilities. <laughs> yeah, brief possibilities. Brief, brief possibilities poss- of joy. <laughs> the name of my autobiography too. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Brief possibility. <laughs> Possibly on my tombstone. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, welcome, everybody, to Board Game Faith. It is uh, great to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. My name is uh, Daniel Hilty. And my name is Kevin Taylor. And, uh, Kevin, it is great to uh, to see you again, to be talking with you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good, Daniel. Thanks. Yes, and you? Clean good, shaven? Good sparkly and clean shaven well you're 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 kind yes for for those of you who are watching this on on the youtubes you may notice that yeah i've I've shaved if you've watched this before so i i have a love-hate relationship with like facial hair right with like mustache Mm. and beard like on i'll um um I, I, I'm, I'm shaven for a while and then I'll think, you know, that just looks weird. And then I'll, and then I'll grow out a beard and mustache. And then I think, you know, that just like accelerates the old man look. I need to shave it off. And then I'm just, I'm very mm, fickle, mm-hmm. very fickle. But you seem to be, you seem to have decided on the beard and you're just going with it. Cause it I looks think good on you. It, but I, I know it's you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, it definitely is a bit of work, like maintenance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Sometimes you're just like, ah, I just want to tear it off. Yeah, and you're and and you you and it's still like dark, right? When I grow up, my beard now it's just it's mostly gray, and I just um, I feel like, from this angle, it, it's getting grayer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, what, regardless of uh, um. Of, of whether you sport facial hair or not, we are grateful that you're listening today, dear listeners. That's um, right. And we're grateful to have you here. Um, and today we're going to be discussing um, teaching the theology of play or, or teaching about the theology of play. And um, this is something that we kind of dance around every episode, really, um, Kevin, don't we? But... but um, but this is uh, this episode is specifically about a very kind of intentional, focused experience of of teaching on the theology of play. Yes, although to be honest, I was fortunate enough to get to teach a class kind of about religion and board games, and we'll put a link to that above if you're curious. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah, we had a really good episode on that a few episodes back we did and we've learned a lot since then and you've learned a lot since then and i've learned a lot since then so i'm really curious to see what new stuff came about as well as you were at a retreat setting versus uh non-compliant 19 year olds so it's very different (laughs) type of yeah you had non-compliant pastors really 
Well, right. but I'm, I'm glad you made that, that comparison, though. I mean, you're right, because, yeah, so we, we've had a couple episodes now about teaching on the theology of play, and you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yours, from the perspective of a college uh, professor, um, like you said, teaching a class, and then you're right, then today I, I'm discussing... Uh, uh, like like you have alluded to kind of a, it was a it was a uh, a voluntary spiritual retreat mm-hmm. um for um for church church folks mostly pastors but also some lay folks too so right yeah yeah so tell me about it uh tell me about the context where, where, where did you all go for this retreat yeah well thank you so this was a uh, this was a uh, a five day four night retreat though I only taught for three days at um at Glen Erie Castle in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And um, how far is that? Well, from I flew, I flew um, from here where I am in Missouri. Um, um, I I understand it probably would have been like a 10 hour drive, which I know is not a answer to the question in terms of distance, but in, in terms of average driving speed on American highways, I think it's about a 10 hour drive from here, but I gotcha. I so is that common yeah. to have a retreat from, from Missouri, go to Colorado? Do you lack confidence in your own home state is part of <laughs> That is kind of a very Missouri thing to, uh, is it? to, um, but no, uh, actually this is, this is unusual. Uh, this is, this was the fourth in a series of spiritual retreats that um, our denominational conference office was sponsoring with the Missouri Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, and um, and all of the other uh, previous spiritual retreats, these spiritual formation retreats, had been held in Missouri, at retreat centers mm-hmm. in Missouri. But this was the fourth one, and at least this was the last one in their original design. We're hoping there'll be some more, but right now it's the last one planned. So they thought they would end this series of four uh, kind of on sense. a really special note. Yeah. So right. we went to this this beautiful retreat center um, uh, outside of, it's on the edge of the Garden of the Gods. And it's this beautiful uh, castle uh, surrounded by um, just beautiful, um, hmm. a runs beautiful the retreat estate. center. Is it it is owned and operated by, I didn't realize till we, this till we got there, owned and operated by the Navigators, which is a publishing house and also uh-huh. uh, for um, a, a Christian publishing house. Um, it also runs some, I think there were some summer camps and uh, they have other activities too besides the publishing house. Mm-hmm. But they perhaps might be best known, or at least one of the reasons they're especially known today is the message translation of the Bible, Eugene uh, Peterson, okay. um, yeah. was published by the, the Navigators. Um, so they I really own, dislike that translation, by the way. You don't like that translation? Oh, it's so corny, and <laughs> I don't trust one person. I I, I thought it was remarkable. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. one person. I, I, could do I, it. Yeah, I did, that's yeah. a snap judgment. No, I just I I have to admit I I I, I it. I liked it for many years. For many years, it was it was something. It was the go-to translation for me, just because I because it was a kind of a fresh take on things. But I've I'm not quite into it as as much anymore I for see. a variety of reasons. But um, here's it, I it, guess it, here's the thing: it's fine as a as something on your desk or something to read. But I don't like it in church. It's just it it it's too jarring for my mind. Mm-hmm. Not that it has to be a fancy translation, but right, right. it's just a little too whimsical it seems mm. to me I, I could see you, that. did you yeah. know there's a new translation for the nrsv there's an nrsvue or something yes it's like a slightly I've heard updated 
yeah, yeah it's kind of cool yeah, yeah that's cool i i haven't gotten a copy yet i need to check that out or a copy mm-hmm. whatever you call a digital version of something now yeah right yeah that's cool so yeah it was it was great and it was surrounded by you know mountains and hikes and so we um we stayed in a little um lodge next to the castle there was about 33 of us um and um again mostly united methodist pastors but also some lay folks uh, as well and um lay folks for those who are unfamiliar with church jargon that just means uh, church people who are not pastors um and um <laughs> um in other words normal people <laughs> right right <laughs> not right, the right. weird clergy people um and um like me um like us and uh so we would have for three of those days, we had two-hour teaching sessions, which is the parts that I taught on the theology of play. But then there was also times when we would meet with spiritual directors. There were spiritual directors there, and that was really helpful, um, really meaningful. We also had worship experiences. There, We had a wonderful worship leader there as well. Um, and then went on hikes. And at night, Kevin, there, there might have been some, some impromptu uh, board games, uh, unscheduled board games. Some some of us may have packed board games in our suitcases. In fact, some so. of us may not have brought any clothes. You're just wearing was, the Catan I, box. That's exactly right. That's that's really all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> Could, um, he couldn't lean in the desk because it would put a dent in his box. That's exactly so yeah yeah. Weak, had good posture. Wow, that is awesome. So that was six hours, really, three two-hour sessions. That's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank so you. how did you thank break you. down that time? How did you structure Yeah, it? thanks. Well, and I also, and I should let you know here at the beginning, I also uh, acknowledged you over the course of those three days as the silent partner in, uh, in, uh, in, the, in the lessons and said the that, you know, that, investor. that the things that we talked about... Um, uh, actually, I think I called you the invisible voice, but we the things that, that, that I talked about were things that you and I had kind of hashed out in this podcast and over and in conversations outside this podcast over the last year and a half. So p- please know you deservedly were a big, big part of that as well. But yeah, so over the course of three days, I broke it down. The first day we called Introduction to Play and why play is an important uh, part of human spiritual experience and then um the second day was barriers to play so you know why are we reluctant to play why why is it hard to play what stands in the way of play and then the third day was how we can move toward a more playful life you know Hmm. given that play is important spiritually but um given that it's hard for us to say yes to play what were some concrete steps we could take to move toward a more playful life are are you familiar with the idea of three acts and, and creative writing because that's what you've done here oh, okay maybe not um like you set um, it up and then you have the essential conflict or question and then there's resolution okay okay yeah yeah Ma- maybe awesome. so i didn't i didn't really think about that but i guess i guess that was kind of yeah the uh, the setup the conflict and the resolution yeah huh yeah hero's journey wow that's awesome so who are some of your major conversation partners here besides the invisible one. The invisible. Yeah, you mean like like different like um You will not see me, but you will like, feel me. <laughs> Kevin is always present. 
Um, and he smells slightly funny. <laughs> what is that? Smells no. of fennel. What is that smell? <laughs> Do I smell awesomeness? Kevin must awesome. be nearby. <laughs> the smell of awesomeness and hope. Uh, um, it's like a brand new Superman cape. You just sort of crisp and smells like. <laughs> oh, oh, to Kevin. Oh, to Kevin. Kryptonian hints, hint, fabric. Hints of awesomeness with undertones of um, kryptonite. Yeah, kryptonite. Right. Yeah. Um, friendly masculinity, not toxic. Friendly, ba- friendly. Yeah, that's right. I like it. This happy I, I, masculinity. I, Ted I Lasso smell. <laughs> the Ted Lasso smell. <laughs> the Ted Lasso. I would right. buy it. Um, so yeah, so the, you know, the, um, there were a number of authors and books that I especially drew from, uh, apart from Kevin, of course. Um, but, um, uh, Bernard suits the grasshopper was probably the major one, but, um, mm-hmm. that he, his was kind of the thread that ran throughout all three days. Um, but also Jane McGonigal's um, Reality is Broken. By mm-hmm. the way, dear listeners, um, if this is your first time listening, you may be interested to know we, we discuss those books in depth in previous episodes. So if you're interested in learning more about either of those books, please go to our website. Link above. And you can, yeah, you can find uh, discussions of those books. Um, also, um, uh, we, uh, we discussed... Uh, um, um, Jürgen Moltmann's Theology of Play, which we also have mm-hmm. a discussion of in a previous episode. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel's The Sabbath, which is not a book that we've discussed yet, but that might be a good book for us to discuss at we some probably point. probably should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, those were the uh, the primary uh, books that I, I that drew from, kind of conversation partners. But I also discussed a little bit... Um, um, we discussed Martin Luther King Jr., um, some comments from him um, over the course of of, um, of the three days. I, I brought in um, the keynote lecture from the play conference that I attended uh, a little bit over a year ago, the National Conference on the uh, Value of Play. So yeah, those were some of the primary um, conversation partners. And then... And then you know, above all the, um, well, on scripture, we, we talked a fair amount about different Bible passages as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then we did a lot of small group there. discussion. Yeah. Um, uh, Genesis, uh, for example, Genesis, uh, three reflecting on, uh, the story of the, uh, what's sometimes called the original sin, though that's not the term the Bible really ever uses for it, but Adam and Eve and the serpent in Genesis chapter three, um, discuss that, um, discussed also, First uh, Corinthians chapter one, um, contrasting um, God's wisdom and God's foolishness. It's kind of a contrast between sometimes a playful life looks foolish in the eyes of the world. Um, and uh, we discuss the Sermon on the Mount at some point as well. Um, and so yeah, just different different scripture passages. Mm-hmm. And then we did a lot of small group discussion, and the participants offered their own insights and. We really built a lot off of what they were talking about there too. They really had a lot of great insights. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you mo- played some games as well. We played some games. Yeah, um, the first day we played just one, um, and um, just one. Uh, this, uh, uh, which I've played with large groups before, and they always seem to enjoy it. But it was hard. I, was tr- I had trouble thinking about how to do this with 33, 35 people. That is people. the hard bit. Yes, yes. So you know, I, I found something that actually worked. Um, on 
on a uh, on online I found packs of um, uh, 12 packs of um, dry erase name tags that you can put mm-hmm. on clips with and each name tag came with a dry erase marker and so they were made designed to be uh, rewritable name tags you know okay um, they were just placards that you would you would buy separate clips to put on the top so I got these 12 packs of um, dry erase name tags and dry erase markers so there was 24 items total in each pack and I got three of those and they was pretty cheap so that was a and so instead of using the just one little dry erase uh, card holders um, they were just these these little like two by three two and a half by three and a half dry erase um, cards that you could use and it was a really cheap way for a large number of us to play just one and I divided us up into like groups of seven and that worked well I also played uh, Wits and Wagers with the mm-hmm. group because I had heard that that was good for large groups to do that happens at board game conferences a lot um, and I'm sure the people who know how to do it know how to do it well for whatever reason I kind of struggled a little bit doing mm-hmm. it with a large group um, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I, I don't think I would use that again for me personally just because I don't quite seem to know how to do it for the large group as well I think if I did it again, I might break the group up and do play some version of the mind. I thought that might be a little bit more more fun. And then on the final day, I had people do um, simplified character creation sheets as if they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. And that, right. um, yeah, which is something I borrowed from a, a previous guest, Mandy Hutchinson, for those of you who, mm-hmm. another previous episode, if you want to look back and hear more about that from Mandy Hutchinson. So, Yeah. Um, and how so did the character games. creation go? And I don't, I'm not familiar with what she's got there. Yeah, it was. Um, so Mandy Hutchinson, for those of us who may be unfamiliar with her, she is a board game reviewer and content creator about board games. But uh, on the Internet, wonderful, a former ge- a previous guest here, a really neat person. But she's also an educator um, during the day. And uh, right now she is educating uh, adults and does adult training programs. And she shared that one of the adult training programs that she does is um, doing character creation sheets for like role playing. And where as an intentional way of getting people to think about what skills do you need to meet this challenge? What skills do you possess in meeting this challenge? And what are your growing edges? What are your weaknesses? Um, What allies do you need? Uh, How can friends help you in your where maybe you are not as strong and what equipment do you need to face these challenges and what's your class like what's your role are you a healer are you a you know or whatever and so and then draw a picture of your character and so that's what that's what we did i made this kind of simplified character creation sheet and the challenge was this was our closing activity was to encourage people to think about what do you need to to go back into the world leading a more playful life you know how, mm-hmm. how can you lead a more mm-hmm. playful life and so I was trying to encourage people to think about what strengths do they have already to help lead a playful life? What are their, what challenges do they face kind of internally and externally to lead a more playful life? Who are your allies who can help you lead a more playful life? What equipment do you have? Draw a picture of your playful life avatar, avatar self. And um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of how we, mm-hmm. how we tackled that. So thanks to Mandy for the good idea on how to, how to do that. But you you felt like it didn't go over very well. Is that correct? And well, yeah, that was interesting. Somewhat, I don't think I gave them enough time. So that was okay. part of it. I was running out of time. It was the last day. Someone had the good suggestion. Um, my my 
my good friend Chris who listens to the podcast. So, hey, Chris. Hello, um, Chris. Um, he had the good suggestion that maybe that would have been a good thing to pass out at the end of day two so that people could have had overnight to work on it and then bring it back on day three. So it wasn't right. quite so hurried. Um, but also, and this was this surprised me. Um, that was the activity we did that probably some people were the most resistant to. Hmm. And and I, I don't mean that in a mean way. And and they, and I think they said this too, that it just, it for some people, it was probably the most foreign to how their brains were wired and how their hearts were, were right. wired. Right, so it needs and more it was, of a setup kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the D&D players who were in the group, they were like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. And they could whip yeah. it out in like five it's minutes. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. But for some people for whom this was a completely foreign concept, it was a real struggle to try to to try to. So be to interesting to talk with Mandy how she couches and sets it up because I can yeah I can definitely see that that if you're if you don't understand the value or just don't know what you're doing then it it may seem kind of weird or nonsensical. Yeah, because it, yeah. it it's it it has to be placed in its frame, and that's, that's a right. tricky thing. It's it, it's kind of like handing someone Monopoly pieces and they're like so what do i do with these like then it doesn't make sense without the game structure yeah, so you have to give yeah. them something of that board game framing You're like this is where your top hat goes right that's a good point yeah framing yeah. it within the larger narrative of what are role-playing games and how do they work and which i did not or do. even maybe playing a sample version so then they can see okay this is why i want the archery skill yeah that's yeah, a good idea know. I'm I'm just of course just riffing here. I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but but no, but I can I like, see that it seemed like a, and of course this is anything. It seems great on paper. Do you know it's going to work? No, you you execute the play and then you revise and you iterate. So it's good exactly for you right. for trying this and and being inspired and wanting to check this out. And now now you know how to uh, iterate and innovate. Well, thanks. based on that thank feedback, you, thank you. right? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the leaders of the conference and their kind invitation to yeah. kind of allow allow me to give a tr I have to yeah, admit, try I'm that. probably a from bad I'm the one that can be like, well, I don't want to do this. I, I don't know why. There's a bit of me that's a, that's a, I'm not really a rebel unless sometimes in that group setting where you're supposed to share. I'm someone mm. who's like, well, I don't feel like sharing. So I don't know. Yeah, Maybe there are yeah. too many Kevins in the audience. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I sometimes balk at those things and I'm very moody, I think. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah. That's interesting. I, I can understand that. Yeah. I wonder why that is, whether it feels more of an obligation than a. It, it, sometimes it can feel, and this is me, but it's an obligation or it's, it's an expectation, but, but it's also, you know, I don't, I guess if I'm not expecting it or I don't have anything to add, then you end up, it can be kind of a, but we have to fill out this, what is it? The big sheets of paper, they get torn off. Like we have to put something on here, but nobody really knows what to put. Right, right. The flip charts and the. The flip charts. And you're like, yeah. I don't know. Right, right. Waterfalls, yeah. right? Yeah. So you kind of get Wa stuck. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't go chasing the, the waterfalls i've um never yeah that is a weird mixed metaphor isn't it don't go chasing waterfalls yeah i've never really thought about move. it i guess it's really more of hunt, finding them 
I would be interested to find the the history of the phrase "Don't go chasing waterfalls." I think it maybe means our don't, listeners would know. I think the song, to be honest, I think the song is kind of deep. It's about don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Like don't go looking for perfection, like the perfect waterfall. Okay, maybe that's okay. what it is. It's like a travel. It's like the gnome traveling the world looking for the perfect waterfall. So don't go oh. looking for the perfect waterfall. Okay. Just stick, okay. Yeah. But Please you really don't chase the... a waterfall because they can't run away. That's true. That's true. Unless you're like chasing them like in a barrel, like in Niagara Falls, where like you're going <laughs> chasing them like that. I've got him. <laughs> I remember reading yeah. some novel thing about the Roman emperors and one of the crazy ones, Nero or something, decided to declare war on uh, Poseidon. And he sent his troops out to the water's edge and had them fire arrows into the ocean Whoa. and then declared his victory over Poseidon. It's <laughs> <laughs> so all these poor soldiers are like, well, got to do what the boss says. So they fired their arrows into the That's ocean. wild. Really? They defeated Poseidon. And then he had a big party for four days. That's yeah. interesting. Wow. I, wow. I, I guess it's, I mean, it's probably a tall tale from his reign. Who knows? Anyway, all right, so character creation, chasing waterfalls, yeah, experimentation. Yeah. Good for you, good for you. Well, you thanks. tried thanks. that. And you got into, what else on day one? Yeah. more specifically. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so on... Um, on uh, uh, on day one, you know, one of the very first things we started with was this idea of what are we talking about when we talk about play? And we started with Bernard Suit's definition. You know, the play is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. And that really, that's probably one of the things the group resonated the most with, oh, or with so which good. the group really seemed to resonate. Yeah, and uh, and and we returned to that again and again over the course of those three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so. Um, so I said, that's what we're talking about. When we talk about, you know, play. And, uh, and then I talked about my own kind of journey into play and this, my interest into this, uh, it started with board games and, and, uh, a Christmas gift back in a few years ago and, and, um, and kind of looking more into that and reading more and, you know, and, um, and learning more about kind of the the presence how really when we're talking about games we're talking about play because games and play are are the same thing you know that when you when you play you're doing a game when you do a game you're playing Mm. um and um and then discovering more about how people have these theologians and thinkers and philosophers throughout history have have been drawn to this idea of the deep spiritual value of play and how play is something that has been a part of the human experience, including adult human experience, um, from the very beginning of time, you know, and uh, and how it has these these deep spiritual benefits. And talked about this this you know that that quote from Bernard Suits when he says play is our salvation, you know, and uh, hmm. and how and from we talk about the quote from Jurgen Moltmann, he says you know play is how liberation happens, you know. Um, and uh, and then we we eventually got around to this idea from Parker Palmer, a uh, a um, a Quaker theologian who um, a Quaker thinker who talks about play being a sign of our calling, 
um, that how we played as children is a sign of our of, of who God made us to be today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was kind of the that was the the overall kind of trajectory of of day one. Um, and just thinking about encouraging people to reflect on the role of play in their own lives, specifically as after they played that game of just one, you know, how games mm-hmm. help us to be present. You know, when we were playing just one, we weren't worried about the future. We weren't mm-hmm. thinking about the past or past regrets, you know, because I asked them, what were we thinking about during that time? You know, no one was thinking about the mistake they made at church, you know, last week. And nobody was thinking about their mm-hmm. worries about the church for next week. They were just thinking about in this moment, you know, and how it's this tool for helping us be be present to each other and to this moment. Um, and how it kind of gave us a sense of agency in these moments. You know, we, we felt like we, like we were um, um, overcoming an obstacle, right? But it was a voluntary mm-hmm. obstacle and it was an unnecessary obstacle, but it was an obstacle. Um, mm. and, um, and so that brought us into this idea of play as grace, you know, maybe as another name for experiencing grace where everyone's accepted, um, everyone is included. Um, really, anyone who's excluded is because they exclude themselves, you know. Um, um, and this day resonated, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. At it's least to me, it sounds like this day connected with people. Um, mm-hmm. it, at least I felt like it was, I, I felt good about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And day two, you shifted to barriers, where ways that we... You know, if this is so great, if if we all played as kids and we like to play, why don't we play? And, exactly. and you got into a bit more history here, right? And so what did you explore? Right, right, yeah. Um, we, um, exactly right, we said, so, you know, so if this is all, if play is so great, why is it a, a challenge for us? And I began by talking about Bernard Suits the grasshopper a little bit more in depth and talking about this dream that the grasshopper has in the book. And again, dear listeners, you can go back and listen to those episodes on board game faith. If you want to hear more, but this dream, the grasshopper has of, he realizes that everything is play in this dream. And he goes out into the world as an evangelist to tell everyone, convince everyone, the dentist and the violin player and the plumber and the custodian and the carpenter and the pilot and the CEO to convince everyone that what we do is play everything during the day is play and that when he convinces people of that they instantly disappear because that's how resistant they are to it to this idea and and so i thought about you know why is that why is that and so we discussed why is that why are we resistant to play and then we we did yeah we went into some historical um roots at least, at least one historical root and a theological root and you know i i told people then as i you know tell people tell as I will say now, you know, that I'm certainly no expert on this. Um, Kevin, I think you're more of an expert on this than I am. But, um, you know, that at least in my my reading and my understanding, you know, at least one root or one contribution to, to this idea of theology of play, that play is is a barrier to play, is um, can be traced back to the Reformation in, in some ways. You know, because what we see throughout most of human history is that play is an acceptable part of adult life until we kind of, but today we don't, right? Today we think "Eh, it's just for kids. And so we think, um, you know, so what happened, right? What happened? Um, And of course I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. You know, there's always been some resistance to it. And even today there's some openness to it in the adult life. But, um, 
and I talk about, you know, that the Reformation, um, you know, is this uh, movement in Christian history about 500 years ago where there was the perception, and I'm oversimplifying things, but this perception of, of, of the church teaching that we earn our salvation. And again, I'm over some of my things and Kevin, you know more about this than I, but this idea that we earn our salvation, you know, in particular, we earn our salvation by giving money to the church. We pay for these indulgences, right? And they, and this good work, this doing these good things, earn our salvation. We go to heaven because of that, or we can even earn our salvation for other people who have died um, by giving to the church. And so the reformation started as, as a, in, in some ways, as a counter movement to that saying, you know, we don't earn our salvation. Salvation is God's good gift, free gift, what we call grace, right? But then it seems like there's part of, there's, there's just part of being human where we just, we can't accept that, right? We can't accept that, um, that, that our salvation, however we define that is just entirely God's good gift. We, we, because we're not sure about that, right? Because we don't have anything concrete that we can hold on to to say, oh, here, here's proof, right? That I'm going to go to heaven after I die or however, however we define salvation. And, uh, and so pretty quickly they developed this idea of, well, you can't, you can't earn your salvation, but you know what you can do? You can prove your salvation. You know, you can prove that you're a good Christian by doing good works, right? And so this idea that the more you work, the more you contribute, the more you show that you are in God's good graces, and then that developed this idea of the Protestant work ethic, um, which is kind of then um, a short line from that to this idea that a person's productivity is is tied to their value, right? That our, our value and right. worth in God's eyes is tied to how productive we are. And, uh, and how that's a dangerous idea, that really it turns people into cogs in a machine. Um, it kind of dehumanizes us. Um, it... It was used as justification for enslaving people, um, and it kind of leads to the most um, corrupt forms of uh, exploitative forms of economic policy and economics today. Um, and uh, and and how that's a narrative that we have internalized over the last five hundred years. And so that's a barrier. Mm-hmm. One barrier to play is we think yeah. I'm not valuable as a human being unless I am productive. And, and so, so if I want to be even more valuable as a human being, I have to be even more productive. And, and by contrast, play is, um, takes away my value as a human being. Play is unimportant. Play is even, I talked about um, Jürgen Moltmann's, what he calls the morality of achievement. You know, so mm-hmm. achievement, productivity is moral. Play is immoral. You know, it's, it's a vice. So anyway, that, that's kind of a little background and then and then I tied that into Genesis 3 and the serpent and Adam and Eve and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And of course another bit to add to this is industrialization that and there's some mm. ideas that the Protestant Reformation in, in, unintentionally created capitalism. There's there's mm-hmm. this idea from Max Weber who was a German mm. economist thinker in the 1800s, but he theorized that as you said that that if you're saved by grace, what you're not sure what you do. So you, it may be, well, how do I know that I'm saved by grace? And the idea is, well, I would act like it. So then you would probably be good with money and good with your time because so it becomes a backwards, as you said, salvation by works. Yes. And so that, that desire to 
look like you're saved led to saving money and and frugality, which led to capitalism because then people had money and you didn't want to just make money and spend it. You wanted to have more money, which I mean, everybody's always wanted to do, but it, the fact that you had capital seeking returns creates capitalism. So it's, yep. it's a theory that can't be proved, but yeah, the industrial revolution is where we see clocks and where we see the idea of a weekend. It's where we see the idea of being paid for your time and your labor, not just who you are and what you do. Uh, you don't have an identity as a artisan. You have a, you're, you're an employee. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it creates this whole concept of, of as well as with industrialization, you get travel. So we have trains that have to be synchronized. We get airplanes, which mm-hmm. leads to, of course, mm-hmm. leisure and vacationing and the idea that you might go tour the great places of Italy, <clears throat> the great European tour, to go visit Venice, because nobody did that till the 1800s. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and it's all and because Max, of boats and leisure and money. So with the with the middle classes and and time and leisure and finances, you might go get on a boat for four months. Hmm. Which in some ways kind of kind of workifies play too, in a way. You know, like it's yes. like a yeah, yeah. And so that's where we get that dilemma that suits and and uh, Jane McGonagall uh, or, or and, and McGonagall too a little bit. Yeah, they're all they're all responding to this idea that we should work hard and then play hard because yeah. they feel like that's a false dynamic. Right. That ultimately, that, that will lead you to working hard. Right. Play the, is in service to work. Play is in service to work. And if you right. if you work hard enough, you can get a dream vacation that then will restore you to work hard. And that is is a dilemma that will just make you miserable. Right, exactly. So their response to it is to try to recover something outside of work. Right, this idea that play is an end unto itself. It's not in service yes, to anything. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're, you're right it's that this, we live in this weird time of history and you wish you could go back, right, a thousand years not only just to have custom-made clothes and and walk around in mud, but also just to see how people did do leisure because they were playing chess, as we've seen in Alfonso's book of games from the 1200s or right, whatever. Right, 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 yeah. Like people yeah. are playing games. Right, and, and right. We, we d- yeah, we did this in a prior episode. And people always play games, but they didn't punch a clock. But they right. did. Right. kind of farm and work all day long. Right. And then and when the sun women, went down, they kind of had to go to bed because they had no light and they couldn't read and they had no books. So it's yeah, weird. Yeah. It's so weird. They weren't, they weren't up all night working on their computers and, and answering right. email. And yeah. The, and, I, and the, sca- and the scary ahead. bit of history is we only we can only imagine what their lives were like because no one wrote it down. We have mm-hmm. no video. We have no audio. So mm-hmm. we try to picture what the normal person's life was in Germany or... Pakistan in the 1000s. We, we, to be honest, we really don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's so much. Oh, it's so amazing. That, that we don't know. <laughs> that we just got to. Yes, and the historians don't want to admit that because that would end their whole project. So, right, right. They're going to constantly it, tell you what medieval, medieval, the medieval period was like, but we really don't know. Yeah, yeah. And theology is a lot like that too. I think. Oh, yeah, don't, that's don't know. We have to cut that out. <laughs> I'm going to like don't. that. Um, yeah, Wait, no. Who's that? Well, oh, it's the bishop calling. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where's your Where's your Where's your your Men in Black memory eraser there? Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, that was one of my, I know we're kind of going on a, a tangent, but yeah, that was one of my biggest surprises but yeah. in going to seminary was just like, we really, we really don't know much of this stuff. We're just kind of, right. Yeah. Um, so, um, th- speaking of barriers to play and, and, and the, the book, the Alfonso's book of games, you know, t- and talking about the pictures of adults playing chess playing, you know, and, and men and women play together or uh, pictures of men and women playing it. I, I cited that a little bit during the retreat because, Ooh. because, and I think this is a valid point that I had never thought of before, but some of our retreat participants observed that today they feel like there are more barriers to play for women than there are to men for men. Oh. And, and now there was some pushback on that or, or some counter voices. Somebody said, I'm not sure about that, but, but, a, but a lot of folks felt that way. And, and, and I thought that was a great observation. I really thought about that. But the point was, kind of observation was, you know, men today, you know, we can, uh, we can, um, we can wear board game T-shirts like I'm wearing right now, right? And mm-hmm. we can we can get together and make podcasts on board games, and we can talk about Star Wars and and uh, you know all this stuff, and and the, and society kind of gives us a little bit of a pass on that. Um, but some of the some of the women who were there said, yeah, at least in their experience, that. Maybe they feel like they get a little bit less of a pass uh, from society on that. That yeah. that at least at least growing up, especially, you know, they're taught you really need to focus on, and this might have been a generational thing, but you know, focus on kind of the more productive domestic things. You know, focus on yeah, learning to cook and clean and sew and which maybe have a Barbie doll. Yeah, whatever the right, origins. Right. I mean, definitely yeah. the board game industry and hobby is dominated by white men. There's just no yeah. way around it. It's not exactly. everybody. And, no, and no. there's a lot of important voices out there. Um, uh, uh, so our family plays games, blackboard gaming, that th- th- yeah. there's, right. Yeah. So it is. And wonderful but, women's but, voices but, yeah, too. Yeah, you just watch yeah. the videos. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and, and one, yeah, exactly. And women's yeah. voices in those examples and other women's voices too, that, um, yeah. um, but it's definitely sure, like, dominated out. by white men. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Could I go on another, could I go on another theological tangent with you? Oh dear. Do you mind? Hang on. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. The bishop Kevin's, says it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Kevin's got permission from the bishop. Okay. Cause this, this, this might, is this actually might the remote to my, AC unit. It's not even. A, <laughs> it didn't have a. Fit. The bishop is in your phone. AC it's unit. My camera. Right. Right. Yeah, right. So, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use this dry erase uh, pen as my pretend phone. Um, okay. So um, that would be a great phone. It would a little dry it would fit erase. in your pocket. It would be. That would be. Someone should do that. Yeah. Plus, you could write um, with it. And you can write with it. It's the one thing phones can't do. I bet that's gonna come now. Um, right. The. Um, so getting back to this idea of our reluctance to accept salvation as a gift, right? As grace mm-hmm. and feeling like we have to prove it somehow. And again, I, and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of begging the question of what salvation means. So I just kind of want to set that aside at the moment. Salvation means different things to different people. Sure. For some people, for a lot of people, it's like going to heaven. And different for things people, in the Bible, to be honest. Exactly. Be honest. Yeah. Like yeah. The Christian tradition isn't agreed on what it means. Yeah. So setting aside exactly what that means, but you know, I just I find that a fascinating concept, like why we are so reluctant as a species to accept that as just a gift that we have nothing to do with. Um, hmm. I I and this 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 okay. I'm gonna get into the heretical here a little bit. So is the is the bishop the if you got a call from the bishop, your bishop or 
or let me know. Okay. Anyway, and, and I'm going to call the bishop and then just put him on hold. Okay. Okay. You okay. know, by the way, some some so of that way he's busy. He can't be watching. So, okay. Some of our listeners may be wondering, what is a bishop? Um, in the United Methodist Church, which is the tradition of of uh, that Kevin and I are from, from the Christian tradition, we have these people called bishops who are kind of like essentially our bosses. Is uh, if you're kind of wondering what that is. Anyway, my boss is God, Daniel. Mm, <laughs> I like that. You I like, like that. that. My Sorry, boss bishop. is. I like it. I like it. I'm on a mission from God. Um. Blues Brothers. But so here's the thing. Yeah, I liked, it was a good blues show. So here's the, so here's where I'm getting to a little bit threat, heretical. But I have found that sometimes, you know, we, in the Christian tradition, we say, well, you know, to be saved, you just have to believe, right? You just have to believe. You got to believe well enough or strong enough. You got to believe in just the right way. I kind of find like that's just like another way of earning salvation from work. Yes. By, by, by absolutely. works. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, like it's belief is a work that we do <laughs> to yes. earn salvation. Uh, it's you just another way in, it in the appropriate way. Yeah, exactly. It's just another way <laughs> of earning salvation by our works. So even then, we feel like we have to earn our, our salvation. Why is that? Why? Why do we feel like? Why can't we just receive it as a good gift? Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts? I don't know the answer to that, but it's something I wrestle it's with. It's complicated. Yeah, I mean, clearly, it's a loss of control. It's mm-hmm. uh, we're uncertain mm-hmm. what to do and make of it. I do think there's some honest questions there about morality, and and we do feel like we should respond to salvation with an appropriate lifestyle. And Jesus certainly embraces that type of thinking. I think it's fair yeah. to say because yeah. he condemns yeah. hypocrites, he condemns the powerful, yeah. he embraces. So there's a basic part of us that knows that salvation should lead to some kind of virtuous living or at least a change of heart. Yeah. So I think yeah. some of it is honest and real as well as, I mean, what are you going to do every day? You, you feel like, I mean, we can't just lay around all the time. So what do I do and how does that relate to salvation? So some of it I think is bad answers to genuine questions. Right. 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 And then some of yeah. it is a basic thing of we want to be in control and we are afraid to be vulnerable. Uh, yeah, it's it's multifaceted. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Oh, those are good. Ant- that's really good. You like that? Really well, I've pondered it too. I've pondered it too. Yeah, but, but yeah. I do have a little sympathy of, well, shouldn't I do something? I, I think that yeah. that's a fine question, and there are some good answers. Like, yeah, yeah. you should. Like, even it, Jesus says you should go make amends with your brother and sister. Exactly. Right. You so know, you should I, do something. That's not doing yeah. nothing. It's not quietism where you just sit around waiting. Right. I, I, one of the most challenging passages in a lot of ways in in the christian scripture you know i think it's is it matthew 25 where jesus says at the end of time the son of man which is jesus most frequent way of referring to himself probably um says we'll come and uh we'll we'll separate humanity into the the, the goats and the sheep right and the sheep will go on to reward and the goats will go on to eternal fires mm-hmm. and and uh and 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 the basis for that is what we do, right? Yeah. And I, I always find that so haunting, you know, that, I mean, for, for those of us in the Christian tradition who like to preach, you know, salvation by faith, it's what, I mean, it, at least the basis in that, it's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's how we treat other people. Right. And, and, and I've heard some Christian comment, comment, commentators say, well, this is referring to, you know, how we Christians 
treat other or this is this is for people who are not Christian or whatever. And I I think that's kind of a stretch. I don't think Jesus. I'm not sure about that. At least how I read that passage. Uh, yeah. Jesus Jesus doesn't seem to say this is this is for those of you who aren't followers of me. He seems to be. No, it doesn't for line up with the rest of his teachings. That's kind of yeah, would be an yeah. extraordinary claim. It seems like. Yeah. Anyway, that was kind of a tangent, but thank you yeah. for uh, thanks for these things are, your wisdom. Are we in cop? Well, it, it is a tangent, but it's not because it is it is the larger question of why are we not comfortable with accepting play and being the grasshopper? Exactly. exactly. Meaning, of course, and background that that's an image that Bernard Suits uses that. It's from Aesop's fables. The grasshopper played while the ant worked. And in the wintertime, the ant had worked and stored food and survived. And the grasshopper died because he played too much. Right. And right. Suits is trying to contradict that fable. Right. Right. The morality of and that he, fable. And, he, and yeah. he gets there ultimately by saying, you know, in the cosmic scheme of things, in the cosmic scheme of things, in this universe where everything is provided and we really can't generate anything uh, we can't really produce anything in the cosmic yeah. things everything we do is unnecessary right right that, that if i die right now the universe is going to go on just fine you know i mean of course of course my family and friends will be sad or maybe some, some people who know me will be happy i don't know but not my family they, they would be sad of course but um but but in the grand scheme of things the universe is going to go on just fine right that everything we do ultimately is unnecessary and um, and on the on the one hand, that's so liberating. It, it it opens up the possibility for dedicating ourselves to a life of of play in a way. <laughs> but on the other hand, maximizing pleasure. Yeah, we find it so 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 devastating too, because we all like to think that what we do is essential, right, for the running of right. the universe. That we, that we are essential to life. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it makes me think of that uh, the poem. Is it Coleridge? Kublik, uh, look on my works, you might Ozymandias. Look on my works, you mighty mm. in despair. So like he wanted to leave a list of conquests, and all that's left is part of a statue in the desert. So yeah, wow. yeah, wow. it's really hard for us to accept the fact that we can't, we don't really put a dent in the universe. Yeah, yeah, we're just a little speck on the surface of another little speck on the surface of another little speck and yeah in an yeah. ai dimensional construct something so day three as we wrap things up day yeah three, so yeah so day being three constructive yeah moving yes. towards a playful life right right and day three we just talked about a, a couple of tools for leading uh, toward a playful life one was the gift of sabbath you know and sabbath is is this tradition where you know God wants us to rest um, traditionally, you know, one day a week, and and so we talked about you know, I mean that that at least has many parallels with the theology of play, right? That uh, Rabbi Heschel, who mentioned earlier, talks about Sabbath is not in service to the rest of the week. Sabbath rest is not in service to the rest of the week of work. Sabbath is an end unto itself, just as play is not in service to work. Play is correct. An end to so this is the same point. Yeah, yeah, and so so the importance of incorporating Sabbath, however that might mean to us, into mm -hmm. our lives. However, because of feedback in that group, and it was such great feedback, it made me think, Kevin, that I think it'd be helpful for us at some point to explore 
the difference between work and play and rest. You know, that I, I, I realized in hearing the participants talk that sometimes I equate play with rest, but that's not necessarily true, right? And so I just want to, I don't, I think I personally need more time to de- look into that and develop my thoughts on that, but I just want to lift that up that it may not necessarily be the case that play and rest are the same thing, but I just, right. something to explore at some point. Um, well, this did camp, gosh, we're doing, making so many references here. This does come up with our discussion with Alex Radcliffe from Orthodox Judaism. Yes. The question of are yes. board games permitted on a Orthodox Jewish Sabbath day? And he yes. said you had to ask your local rabbi as if there are different interpretations. Are yes. board games considered a type of work or are they play or are they rest? Right, right. And there yes. is, yeah, a, that is a question of, of, of what is rest. Right, right. <clears throat> because then that gets into, you know, what for people who, who see their work as play, Mm-hmm. I mean, then if you if if you say your work is play, then you're working seven days a week, right? I mean, you never get a break from that, and that doesn't seem to honor the spirit of this idea of Sabbath. You know, that of, would um, not honor honor Sabbath, but it would honor right. play if it right. is genuine right. play. Right, right. Yeah. So that was the first tool for kind of moving toward a more playful life, and the second one was just discussing Jane McGonigal's idea of gamifying life. Right, that. Um, in the other six days of the week, recognizing that we have to work, how can we bring lessons of play to the rest of life? You know, how, right. how can we move work? If, if, if in some ways play is unnecessary obstacles that we voluntarily do, and work is perhaps unnecessary obstacles that we are obliged to do, how can we make those obligations? How can we bring a sense of want to do to some of these obligations as well? Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and she's great to point to that crossover because work is also overcoming obstacles. How do you meet a deadline? How do you ship a product? Whatever your goals are, it, it can't be easy or else you, there wouldn't be a job to it. So right, work is right. also defined in some ways by c- overcoming obstacles. Yes, yes. Yeah, in fact, we really need to think that through because we're so, so there, there's an area of, of combination there. Yeah. Well, in suits, if suits is right, even those obligations we overcome, those obstacles we overcome in work are ultimately unnecessary, right? If suits is right. And so, mm-hmm. so is the difference that play is, a vol, is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles and work is the obligatory attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles? Could Maybe? be. It could I don't be. Know. I don't know. And also, it seems, well, Games are also kind of there's a ridiculousness to them. There it is seems like they, they aren't productive. So right. work is productive. The grass is mowed. The, the the product is shipped. But games, at the end of the day, it's just cardboard and arbitrary rules and little meeples. True, true, true. So there's something to the fantasy element. It would seem yeah. to me. But or through remember, like a race, you know, like why would you yeah. do that, like? Why, right. why wouldn't you? <laughs> right, it's kind of right, dumb. Right, right. It is. A, it's a good point. Like, I, I don't am know. haunted by McGonagall. You know, also points out that sometimes play can be productive, and sometimes work can be mm-hmm. non-productive too. You know, like like I know I've come to the end of some days when I've been busy all day at work, and I look back and I think I haven't accomplished anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's. But but there are other stuff. people that are spending hours prepping for a D and D session, and it right, would look like right. work to an alien. 
because right, they're having right. to do all that. They're had to, some games are like homework, yeah. but it feels like play, not like work. And that's McGonagall's point. How do we bring a certain kind of joy to our our tasks? Yeah, and yeah. and there's and she gives several answers to that with with um, room for failure and for nice rewards, a sense of re- being rewarded for your actions, and uh, there's other things she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, wow, what a what a great conversation. Thank you, Dan. Is there anything we left well, out that you want to address? Thank you for thanks for thanks for asking about it, Kevin. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, no, I I well, no, just oh, maybe nothing yes. nothing left out, but just but just a, a couple things here at the end, if that's okay. Uh, you, those two yeah. sentences are contra- those two clauses are contradictory. But go ahead. I know. Go I'm, ahead, I'm nothing. Her. I'm a living contradiction. I. I <laughs> <laughs> including the contradiction of incompetence and survival to his Dan- <laughs> my this is, yeah this is daniel's um, colombo colombo moment moment brief, well, brief, leave, but before brief i leave possibilities. just a few questions brief yes. possibilities Three that's questions. right before i leave um, let me just ask you where were you uh, on the night of the 15th that's right that's right one just to say thank you kevin for your graciousness and your questions and uh, help and I learned a lot. To explore this this Please. episode. Well, you were a huge. I mean, obviously, this is a joint conversation um, that you you have been a central part of. Um, secondly, uh, it, it, you you referenced just a moment ago how we how we have referenced so many different episodes uh, in the, in this one episode. We've talked about you know listen to that episode, listen to that episode. And it occurs to me as you say that just, um, just how grateful I am for this this ongoing conversation that that board game faith has been over the course of all of these episodes, um, not just you and me together, but with books we've been reading and with uh, guests that have been on here and hearing from our wonderful listeners, and just to affirm and say thank you to to you and to all of our listeners and to our guests that just. It is such a gift to get to be a part of this ongoing conversation, and um, I know you and I have talked about. You know I, what I love about this is I'm, I'm I, I feel like there aren't that many spaces in the world where this kind of conversation is happening about theology of mm-hmm. play, and so thanks for to everyone for being a part of this ongoing conversation. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's such a gift to be a little part of it. And the last thing is. Um, both and Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you know both you and I would like to really give as much of ourselves as we can to this conversation and to be a part of this. All of which is to say, listeners, if you would like um, to have um, some um, class or lesson or presentation or teaching or resource for the theology of play. Um, in your circle, whatever that might be, whether that's a church or a temple or a mosque or your place of work or whatever. Um, and, and you think that we can help with that? Please let us know. Please reach out. Yes. We, we would love, we want to be available to do something like this um, in your world too. And um, so, yeah, please let us know. We, we're here. We're here for that. That's right. That's right. Well said, Daniel. Well said. Well, thanks to all our listeners. You are awesome. And reach out to us on Instagram and let us know your thoughts. And of course, always invite people to take a photo of themselves at their place of worship with hashtag board game faith. Let's keep that going because it's a lot of fun to see. 
And um, we look forward to the next episode, right, Daniel? Anything else yeah. I forget? No, I think that sounds great. Um, okay. All thanks right. for listening. And Kevin, thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Always awesome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.